0: All right, welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Nowlin. Well, among the many unique people I've had the chance to talk with on this program, today you will meet one of the top five, business coach Jonathan Foker. Jonathan runs a coaching company in the Netherlands called Revenue Coach, and Revenue Coach helps businesses worldwide grow by helping them attract a continuous flow of leads and clients. They have generated more than 15 million views on LinkedIn, thousands of leads, and, and served around 950 clients in five years, using a process of selling and inbound marketing via LinkedIn. His company has successfully replicated this process for their clients. Jonathan is also the International Business Director for all nations. He trains and coaches church planters among the unreached in Africa, Asia, and the Middle East to start and grow new businesses and to bring economic, social, and spiritual change in their communities. So Jonathan, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Jonathan. You have a beautiful name.
0: (laughs) Yes, good name. I agree. (laughs) So you're up to a few things in life, definitely not bored. um, And I think there's definitely a lot we can learn from you. But can you, for this audience, you know, for this discussion, can you share your story? You know, what's your journey looked like? Your journey to get to where you are now has probably been quite interesting. So give us a little bit of the backstory.
1: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, in the uh, end of 2002, I uh, came to Christ in a radical way. Okay. Uh, I had a depression, um, and uh, I had a, it was a meeting that I was part of, and I was completely in, into the world, and then suddenly people could pray for me. I didn't want that, and I felt God touching me, felt the Holy Spirit, and I cried, 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 and the next day I woke up, and my depression was completely gone. Wow. I I felt a lot of uh, warmth and love, and, uh, yeah, it was really a touch of the Holy Spirit. Um, I remember going to the university where I I, uh, saw the sun again, and I felt the the warmth uh, on my skin. It was really amazing life transformation. Wow. uh, After that, I had to forgive a lot of people. And... um, clean up a lot of the mess in my life. Um, but I've changed completely since then. I started following Jesus, uh, reading the Word, um, being deeply immersed in prayer, spending time one-on-one. Um, and after a while, I really received a heart for reaching our people in our city. Uh, so we started to pray with a few young people. I was 19, 20 at that Oh, time. wow, okay. Was pretty young, yeah. you know? Um, and we had um, yeah every Wednesday night, like young people came to my my house. We did worship, we prayed, we did discipleship uh, lesson, reading, studying the Word. And within a year, forty people were every Wednesday in my house. And uh, <laughs> we had like several. Uh, I I lived in an in an area where more uh, young people were living. They were renting houses, so we had we formed this little hub, this little community um where we ate to get there. We prayed, we worshipped, and we started serving our, our village we went to do some cleaning for people, did some prayers and evangelism. So people started to come to Christ. Wow. Um, yeah, so we had like a group of leaders that we trained, and we started actually a group of six, six different groups, churches in different houses. Because uh, I was at that time really um you yeah, know reading the book of acts and reading the, the word and I saw acts and I'm like oh we see the church here and all and then we see acts and it's completely <laughs> different you know uh, and I was like I was at that time very young and also Im- immature so sometimes not very nice because I was kicking against the church oh wow okay. uh, at that time which I think I've grown a bit more now in the last year but <laughs> But, you know, I was I was like, I saw Jesus and, and the apostles being together with a small group. And they were really out there making disciples, changing the world, bringing the kingdom of God uh, in a very tangible way. And I wanted to have that as well. So really focused on discipleship, on small groups. Um, so, yeah, in that time, we had a vision to have our house, uh, have a house where young people could come and they could stay for several weeks or months when they had the issue. So um, we had the vision with three friends. So we shared the vision with people. People uh, bought a house for us and we could rent it. And within our city, we could have like young people come over every day. Wow. Um, that's where I met my wife during that time. It uh, was 2006, seven, and we got married in 2007. And I always had this passion to, yeah, to not only um, do what we're doing here locally, but I also had this burning desire for, I want to reach the people that have never heard about Jesus. Um, So pretty quickly, my whole view changed to a worldview as well, you know, reaching more people doing on, going on mission. And um, then... In 2007 eight uh, Floyd McClung came to Holland Floyd is the founder of all nations uh, who passed, passed away unfortunately last year but he he came and he we were at this meeting and he was talking and I said what this guy is talking about we are doing hmm. so I was really excited and touched like uh so long short to cut the long story short we went to do the church planning experience training in 2008 in Kansas City, um, where our eyes got opened for world world mission. Um, the whole vision of making disciples, planting churches, and seeing church planting movements happen. Uh, not only one church planted, but churches planting churches, seeing really the movement of the kingdom of God and the gospel. Uh, we were really on fire for that. Um, so in that time, I was researching a lot in the Word, and I found Paul... Was not only a, a, an apostolic disciple maker. He was a businessman as well. Okay. And um, I always felt like I was really touched by his time in Corinth, x eighteen, where he spent uh, one and a half year, two years. He spent there being a tent maker, and I dig. I dug a, a little deeper, um, and he also was doing it in Thessalonica and in Ephesus. And uh, through his bis- business, he was an example. He shared to many. Um, he was uh, pro- providing for his own and for others. Okay. Um, and he came in contact with a lot of people that had never heard about Jesus. Like, for example, Kila, Stila, And I said, yeah, I also want to be like Polk. Okay. Uh, so I started my own bis- business with a friend of mine in 2009 in social media marketing. And I always wanted to combine these two, like bis- business and making money for myself and also using this business to reach people and at the same time yeah reaching people through missions or discipleship and the church planting um, so that's what i've been doing since 2009 like doing these two and it there's been seasons that is going well <laughs> and other seasons that it was hard sure because sometimes i felt like you need to well, you spend your time eh? like you can only right. you need to divide your time and a lot of times, you know, let's say, for example, you, have an, you run an online marketing agency, which, which we are, we're a marketing agency. You come up with clients that are not necessarily also the people you want to reach to, for example, refugees, yes? because we, we also work with refugees. So sometimes there's a disconnect there, uh, but there's also seasons where you could share Jesus in your business. I just had this morning uh, two meetings with potential clients where I share this story that I'm doing now. Oh, wow. And I shared a Jesus story while we're on the phone. Um, It's so natural now, it goes easy, and and they were excited, you know? So, yeah. Um, That's amazing. So, yeah. So uh, then we went to do church planting in Spain, uh, where I wanted to reach the Spaniards and the Muslim people. Mm -hmm. And I started the company in Spain as well. Okay. Uh, the, I started in a, uh, uh, web cons- consulting. So uh, I, we did a lot of websites, email marketing in Spanish in another girl to a different language. So, uh, but this yeah, kind of, it,
0: this kind of approach gets you right into the middle of the culture, gets you right into the middle of the people that need to hear about the Lord. Yeah. Uh, it's exemplifies God working through you, co-laboring with you in business. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's. That's profound. You know, most most people in our audience, especially here in the U.S., uh, they wouldn't be very familiar with the entrepreneurial realities in Europe, you know, or what business looks like there. You know, what can you share about what the experience looks like for you in Europe doing business? Is it difficult? Is it easy? You know, what's the work culture like in your industry?
1: Yeah, um, very good. Very good question. Yeah, I mean the 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 work culture is pretty com- competitive. So, okay. uh, yeah, you know, so it's always as a business guy, you just need to, um, yeah, solve a problem for people and know how to market that well. Okay. Um, and uh, but you know, people are extremely open, and they 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 people like to do training, coaching. They especially over these last years. Um there's just really a boom in online coaching, training, uh thought leadership, which is where we help people a lot and coach people. So it's a very competitive area. It's it's uh, I, I think it's very comparable to the states actually. Uh very, very similar. Uh probably
0: just a lot more languages involved, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we were in Spain, I mean I think I learned Spanish in half a year because I was always talking with people in Spanish. Wow. And and that, that that helped me a lot. It it was very hard and it takes a lot of energy. And we did that for two years and I, I got a I got a burnout wow. and we went home with our wow. fam- family. So it wasn't it was a big learning experience, learned a lot there. So it wasn't always easy and life sure. isn't always easy. Um but yeah. So that was a competitive area and was hard as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so you've had some experience doing like a hybrid almost scenario of uh, doing even some ad- like advanced church planting type work on the side of your your specific industry profession. And I mean, do you recommend that to people if people are thinking, hey, how could I structure this in my life? I want to go somewhere and, you know, really be intentional about reaching people that have not heard about the Lord, don't know about the kingdom Um, I love my profession. I love my work. I'm really good at it. I mean, what do you, you know, what do you tell people that want to do that?
1: What I would say that it's, you have an amazing calling. If you love your work, that's from God. Work is worship. Work is serving. Uh, The word, the Hebrew word Avodah means work and worship and serving. So uh, that's what I would say. And then uh, if you go, let's say you want to be a missionary to another place, or uh, even even with, within the state yourself, so you go to uh, another uh, village or another city where you want to live. Um, I would say, like, find a profession or do your profession where you are can also be intentionally in loving people and sharing about Jesus. So a lot of people think there is a separation between business and Uh, Church, Hmm. and they think I cannot share Jesus on the market in the marketplace. But if you look at it, like Jesus was of the 52 parables that he taught, 49 of them were in the marketplace context. So, uh, of the 40 divine interventions in the book of Acts, like 39 of them were in the marketplace. So, Jesus was always in the marketplace sharing hearts to hearts it's always real relationship so right right now for example we have a guy in kenya who is running a fruit business so he starts buying and selling fruits, and he talks with everyone about jesus he meets so many people and wow. he combines these he merges these two together and i think sometimes we are afraid of doing that you know we feel like we can't share about jesus but there are so many people that have needs uh Col- Colossians four comes to our mind that we pray for open doors to share, and if we yeah. share it, we share with boldness, but we share with grace as well and uh we don't have to be afraid so i I know this is not for everyone, you know not everybody needs to be as apostolic or or how do you so but you can be an uh you can be a pastoral person as well and also be Jesus to the your business pe- people and right be friendly, be open, sharing. And I, I don't think there's a separation, you know, we need to merge these two.
0: Yeah, I would agree. You know, tell me a little bit about your area of specialization. You know, we we had talked uh, briefly before and you brought up this idea of like um, thought leadership in the digital space and particularly influencing that. I mean, you guys have been quite successful in uh, leveraging LinkedIn and your marketing approaches. You know, what's been, you know, how do you do that? and what's been the impact so far just in the business sense give people an idea of why this works and what you've kind of come up with kind of where you're coming from cuz you know what you're bringing to the table professionally is really a testimony in itself to the clients you're working with and to the excellence that's found uh, in the workmen or the work person in the kingdom of God. And so, you know, you guys are doing some excellent work, but tell me about that work. And then also how has that intersected with your heart for spiritual transformation in the world? How, you know, how has that worked for you guys?
1: Yeah, so, um, the strategy that we talk, or that we teach to our clients is really about uh, giving and about education. So um, be authentic, share value, uh, can be on anything like uh, being a good coach, like teaching, uh, team leadership, or team coaching, or anything. So you have everybody has a lot of well, a lot of the coaches that we work with, they have a lot of knowledge that they need to share, that will solve a problem for people. So it's a it's the social selling way. It's like being social. Uh, and from there, people want to learn more about you. They are going to follow you and then they want to buy from you. So I really like that way. It's not called calling or pushing. It's it's bringing value so people are attracted to, to you um, and they come to you. So, for example, my business partner a few weeks ago, we had uh, one LinkedIn post with 4.1 million views in one post. Wow. Yeah. So... That doesn't happen every day. Yeah, I have to be <laughs> very, very honest. <laughs> so, uh, but the the impact that has can be like a lot of people see what you're doing and they want to reach out to you, you know? Right. Uh, but obviously, it's not only that. You also need to solve a problem for your clients. Yeah, if you don't solve a problem and you bring results for them, then they will never hire you. So, um Yeah. That's so, excellent. And, yeah. How you asked me, how does that intersect with the spiritual transformation that I want to see? Yeah. So next to revenue coach, I'm the international business director of all nations. So I, I travel a lot to Africa and Asia and we help church planners to become self-sustainable by starting bis- businesses. So we train a lot of people um, in very simple principles, like how to find a good business, IT, how to do your sales, your marketing, how to do budgeting. So a lot of it overlaps. So a lot of the things that I do with revenue coach, I do in Africa and Asia as well. Okay. To bring these principles of, um, yeah, it's actually a pretty basic marketing principles. Eh? Like what solve or, or or product or service that they don't have, would they like to have? That's generally yeah. what we see in Africa. And also, what the problem are they solving, and what product or service can they bring? uh in that community you
0: know so um yeah so you're bringing like your excellence and your expertise in a craft or trade into a transformational context with people that really need the help and really need the uh, assistance and probably don't have access to anything like this being that you're kind of from a western uh first world context and they're in a developing context and they wouldn't normally have access to that level of expertise or help so in a way you're 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 blessing out of you're blessing them out of your own level of blessing and bringing a lot of value to that equation would that be a good way to describe it
1: yeah, I think that would be a good way. What I want to add there is that what what has happened in the past a lot is that people from the West came to African Asia and they said to the people in the, in African Asia, this is how you should be doing it.
0: Interesting. And, yeah, uh, that makes. Yeah. We are
1: we are trying not to do that. So right. we we have developed a training. of someone else, Vicky Warren, has developed that in two thousand twelve. It's called Piner Business Planting, which is an. Uh, training specifically designed for african asia and for oral learners and is completely based on pictures interesting uh, so it's really uh this has been developed for over years when we, we sat down with these africans and i like, would this teaching work here you know a lot of testing and then yeah uh, so we we started with britain stuff it didn't work you know and now people, we tell a lot of stories. We do a lot of games. We do a lot of exercise. We have pictures. Yeah, okay, it works tremendously well. These people can understand it better in their context in their culture. So, I would definitely say that we bring stuff. But I also need to change uh, because my world feels completely different from the Africans sure. and the Asians. So, and I need to serve them first before I can bring in my knowledge. You know? Yeah.
0: Well, part of your what seems like. That's uh, really helping this equation is the expertise you're bringing is like a cross cultural uh, intelligence, like they call it CQ or cultural quotient, and um, and that's pretty rare. That's a rare skill, specifically from a Western uh, context, because in most of our, you guys in Europe probably have it a little more than us intuitively, because you are working with so many other languages, uh, so many you know different borders and and nationalities. Uh, and histories. But in the US, you know, we often are just locked into one way of viewing everything or one way of thinking about everything. And we don't have much in this area of cultural quotient or the ability to contextualize. So what I'm hearing is that you guys have really been able to contextualize. You've been able to come in with a servant heart. You've been able to, yes, leverage your profession and your experience, but through the lens of like uh, CQ or cultural quotient and really adapt that to what's going to help these folks rather than telling them what to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. And we've, we try to also stay away from franchise or business in a box models. Mm. Like they, we come and say, like, you can do this. We uh, we did that several times and it miserably failed. Interesting. people don't have the ownership. We just come with the whole package and they don't have the ownership. But if they say they want to do that, that by themselves, some something that we can bring in the expertise or business in a box if we have that on the shelf. But you know, so a lot of people come in like with the franchise model, but if the people don't own it, they, they, then it's hard. So that's one one example how we try to do that. Um, but yeah, we we only work with the local indigenous leaders in Africa. It's all local Africans, local Asians. Local Middle Easterners, Syrian refugees, you know, only with those people. So yeah, we need I need to understand them, you know. Right. Uh I so I've I've learned a lot from the book Culture Map from Erin from Meyer, which is a lady, she's done a lot of uh, cross-cultural research um, over all these years, and she mapped all the different uh, countries on eight different scales. So for example, one scale is um task oriented or people oriented. Right. So she's been mapping, that's one, there are several more, but so every country you can plot. So I could say, for example, Holland and the States, and I could see like, how is Holland different than the States on these eight skills. Okay, It gives you a tremendous talking tool as well and understanding like, okay, how am I different from the Africans? And right. what do I need to change to reach them? And it helped me a lot. And I, I used it a lot for our people as well. Um, that's excellent. To understand better, yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, that's that's right in there on the co- the cross cultural intelligence type of uh, model that I, I think is never really taught well to people going into business, especially entrepreneurs who many of them don't have any formal training and they're just trying something based out of what they know and around a good idea. And that sometimes works, but usually doesn't. And there's a lot of trial and error and, and trying again and failure or hopefully failing forward, but a lot of difficulties, you know, I was going to ask you about that. You know, you've obviously not avoided a lot of risk in what you're doing and you're really leaning into it and learning through it. But, For redemptive entrepreneurs who are listening to this program, they're probably wrestling a lot with managing the risk around how do I stand up these ideas? How do I extend? How do I advance the kingdom of God through this? So many variables. And am I going to make any money? Am I going to be able to feed my family? Uh, I'm sure you faced a lot of those similar dynamics. So how do you approach risk? Like how do you manage risk in what you're doing? I mean, you got all of the church planting, missional, uh, other organizations, you've got multiple countries, you've got your domestic business expertise in Holland. I mean, how does that all, how do you handle that? (laughs)
1: That's (laughs) That's a a big question, question. but how do you do that? Sometimes I have no idea. No. Uh, yeah. You know, um, there, I think there are several things. The first is, uh, for me personally, I am very structured. So, uh, that means I have like, uh, uh, Trello board where I manage my whole life so there's so you know which I just manage my day-to-day tasks. so a, a lot of his product productivity management from myself like what are the things that I need to do now what can I do later Whom can I pass this on to as right. well so a lot of it is that you know it's also being structural and being uh managing well it's just a skill that you can learn um but that's one thing the other thing is you know um i i have the i i always want to work with other leaders and invest in them so okay we have now 23 leaders that can do pioneer business planting locally or internationally wow and i have been mentoring and training and coaching these guys so if I can do it, for example, they can do it, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's multiplying myself, which enlarges the vision and also the the impact. Um, And that spreads the risk as well. Um, And the third point would be, yeah having a having a great wife and a good marriage uh, <laughs> no i'm serious the most you know? important like, thing <laughs> no yeah every, uh, behind uh, every uh, strong man of god is an even stronger woman of god which is true yeah. and the other way around as well if you have a strong woman of god needs to have a strong man of god but it's true you know if your marriage is not uh, good and and then you would have issues and you i couldn't handle it so uh, that's really important uh, for managing risk. And uh, the fourth thing is faith. You know, it's also a matter of faith and it's like, um, how you're wired and what God has called you into and that you have need to have faith that God is the one who provides. And I, I need to grow tons in that one. You know, mm. sometimes I feel like uh, my, my faith is so small and the Lord help me with my unbelief. Eh? <laughs> um, but it's also, I feel as well, like over the years that, uh, you grow as well you know i f- I also think if you're faithful in little god rewards you with more so that's also principle of managing risk like you are faithful in little things and then honest pure faithful and then god will reward you with more yeah so i mean years what i'm doing right now i could never do that 15 years ago 10 years ago never because of right. the responsibilities and never you know so i had to grow my character along those lines by taking more risks it's like simple steps of obedience it's like a muscle Mm -hmm. where you get stronger and stronger but it doesn't happen overnight you know right um yeah does that answer your question is that yeah
0: that's excellent i it's very practical and I, i would say i've seen the same thing in my observations you know speaking of observations you know you're you've been at this a while now and you guys have done a lot a lot of people you've worked with you know, with where you're at in life, you know, what are five things or a few things that you really feel matter the most? Like what have become the real bottom lines of the outcomes you're looking for uh, that, you know, what's become clear to you around that? Say you're even working with starting up one of these uh, redemptive companies in one of the countries you're working with. You know, what are you looking for as a win or a bottom line outcome? Yeah.
1: Yeah, very good one. I, I just want to add uh, one point more to your yeah. uh, last question, which is how to manage risk as well. Having good coaches in your life okay, uh, or mentors. I've had good people that I, if I have questions, I can talk talk to mul- multiple. So it can be friends within all nations or just my dad. you know, right. having a good conversation with him, with his knowledge or having good mentors. also helps a lot with managing risk and, and, uh, and being open to listen to them and learn from them and not be stubborn at times. That's good That's uh, excellent uh, advice. So be teachable, you know. Yeah. That's I think yeah. that's the main be teachable, you know? And sometimes with risk, um, a lot of what I'm doing, what we've been doing, goes against European American culture. Okay. You don't because you go, you you need to have a bigger house, you need to have, you know, so uh, you need to have a bigger SUV. But that's so you need to have faith to have a kingdom culture in your life and be intentional. So. Right. Wow. Yeah. So, going back to your your last question, um, what am I looking for is really uh, there are several, actually, we say four different components. Like we have the spiritual impact, so the spiritual impact that the people come to Christ um, that most of the time relates to social impact. Okay. So social impact, res- restoring of mar- marriages, of relationships between um, fathers and sons and mothers and daughters. Uh, then we have, of course, an economic impact, which is, um, yeah, you make money uh, so you can put uh, your kids to school. Um, and then we have an environmental impact as well. Uh, okay. So that means like... Uh, yeah, to have to, to take care of nature and of, of of our environment well. So these are the four that I'm looking at. Yeah. It's not only economical, but also have the spiritual and social side uh, take them into consideration as well.
0: So more of a holistic perspective, like a Correctly. a whole whole of human flourishing context, not just the economic outcomes. And is that what well, I you also would
1: also believe like i also believe Jesus brought the kingdom of God and the kingdom yeah. of God is not is broader. Than the uh, economical business, it's just the whole human flourishing, as you said, like yeah. love, righteousness, judgment of uh, peace. You know, um,
0: and so yeah. when you're standing up these uh, redemptive companies in these countries, uh, are you are these the areas then that you're coaching and teaching them in, as well as fundamentals of business success?
1: Yes, yes, yeah.
0: Okay, well, that gives yeah, we people a-,
1: a combination of the business principles, but always in a in these four elements context. So we all always ask like, okay, how does this help that this business help you to make disciples? Uh, How does it help you to love your family more? You know? Um, Yeah.
0: Oh, that's really good. That broadens people's perspective, I think on what it means to do uh, business as mission or some of these concepts where this integrated holistic approach versus kind of the, separated like oh you do business so that you know you can do something spiritual over here but really seeing the whole thing as a spiritual whole a holistic effort a whole different way of living and operating that's integrated in a lot of ways
1: exactly yeah exactly you're spot on and this is this is something that i took it took me a long time to understand you know so it's (laughs) it's not an easy thing. it's not an easy thing but yeah if you see for example this morning as i said two of my potential clients or one client and potential client yeah they just ask you all these questions they just openly share your story you know right. you have a spiritual conversation very very easy and it's so i i don't mix i don't separate these two anymore because i see yeah <laughs> uh, i see like like uh, god can open doors so for example the guy in kenya that we started the fruit business with he sold oranges to one of his friends in a village and that opened the door to that village to start multiple house churches in that area. Without that business, he could have never entered that village. Right. He was selling oranges. And so, you know, that's so exciting (laughs) because (laughs) you have so many relationships with business, you know, everywhere you go, you meet people and you can be a light there. Oh, that's
0: awesome. And, you know, with all your experience working in these areas, you know, what would be a couple of, cautionary points that you would give. Maybe a few points of things that maybe we've seen done wrong or that don't work when you're trying to do a startup in an unreached area. Perhaps somebody has, they hear this and they're like, I would love to do that. Maybe they're in the same kind of area or expertise. They have the same heart. They really want to lean in on this kind of opportunity. And they're just inexperienced at this point. And they're like, okay, what do I do not do <laughs> like what would be the uh, things uh to learn from your experience that you've acquired the hard way you know what would you tell people yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah that's a very good question yeah so we've made all the mistakes i'm saying right now we've all made made them and we've learned our hard, hard way and i'm not i'm not saying we will not make them again because probably we will but uh yeah so i would say um when we start businesses in Africa and Asia, one of the big problems is that people want to start really big from okay. day one. yeah, so they want to start, they come with big business plans with having a big shop, and but they they don't have the capacity, the knowledge, the skills yet to run a bigger business from day one. So well, they you need to grow, and it goes along with uh, the faithfulness uh, being faithful in uh, little and God rewards you with more. So that's one thing. And the other thing that I see uh, is that a lot of people mix business money with personal money. Okay. So they make money on their business, on their chapatis, on their fruit. Uh, and with that same money, they eat with the family. And in the next morning, they don't have any money to buy new flour for making the chapatis. So um, the thing is that you your personal expenses are a salary or an expense to the business not all the business money is yours as a right. person so your salary is an expense and the business money is not your money it belongs to the business hmm. and that's what we hammer down but it, that's very hard for a lot of people that's where it, it just goes wrong a lot of interesting times. um because then you don't have any money to grow your business yes yeah. you You'll eat you you'll eat it all, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, was this one story of a lady in uh, Kenya, and she uh, rented out this water pump to do her watermelon farm, and uh, she did that, and she made like eighty thousand US. Wow, a lot of money in one season. Wow. So she came to our training. She 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 spent all the eighty thousand. So she came through our training, and she said, Jonathan, after day three, she was like, "Oh, I made such a stupid mistake." She said, "I did not buy my own water pump to do the same thing the next year," but she spent it all. Oh no! So. I was shocked. I'm like, 80,000 US dollars is a, <laughs> a lot of money, you know, and a water <laughs> pump only costs like maybe 500 of that, you know? Wow. So the whole concept of then investing and yeah. saving is very foreign for a lot of them. So we always say like giving, eating, investing, and saving these four uh, things. Yeah, so what, for your money? You give something, you save, you eat from it, of course, and you need to invest. So... That was a that was a hard lesson learned for her there, <laughs> but, but you know that's what I see often. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. number two. Number three would be um, people don't plan, so no planning. Um, they have an idea in mind and they think it's going to work and they start immediately. And ninety nine percent of them fail. Sure. Because if you don't make a business plan, you don't think it through. Um, then it's doomed to fail if you fail to plan your plan to fail yeah uh, uh, and then the the fourth one is actually related to this one that people don't do market research well so they start with this idea in mind and but they there's no market for it so we always say to the people okay if you go into an area what and we ask them to market research and go out into your community and ask them the question what product or service that you don't have, would you like to have, mm. so then they come in with a non-competitive business there, and uh, uh, instead of a competitive one. So let's say you have the rickshaws, um, and you start another rick- rickshaw, but there are already twenty of them. You're competing with the local community, <laughs> and that's not really a good loving service to no. people. You know, it's not. So you want to start something that they don't have um, to serve them, you know? Right. So, yeah, I think that will be... Those are helpful. My, yeah. yeah. Some ways biggest, they... Biggest mistakes that I see happen, you know?
0: Yeah. In some ways it seems really basic, but at the same time you see it all the time. Like it's the same things, you know, like you're saying. And uh, it's a good cautionary, good cautionary points for people wanting to help do these startups or have a vision for this type of work. You know, Jonathan, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on all this. You know, I'm sure it will inspire and encourage those listening, particularly those looking for workable solutions around their work. How do they leverage their work, their career, their calling, the thing they're passionate about, you know, for the Great Commission? And I think your story is really inspiring for people to see that you know you don't have to necessarily quit your day job to do something spiritual but god has built this all into this integrated holistic kingdom driven uh, approach for people so yeah thank you for being on the program and thank you for uh, investing in this audience
1: thank you so much for having me it was a pleasure and, uh, yeah you're doing a great job jonathan sharing this vision to the world so thank you for having me
0: absolutely Jonathan will be calling in by Zoom to share in our Marketplace mission track at the upcoming NWA for the Nation's Missions Conference on October 22nd. That's this year, October 22nd. It's a Saturday. If you're able to join me at this event, I think it will be really beneficial, especially for those of you in the workplace, those of you studying business. This is going to be really solid. You know, I'll be heading up the marketplace track and helping Christian professionals really lean into this concept of recovering the dignity and the mission of vocation. And really seeing how that plays into the Great Commission, how God wants us to advance the kingdom of God through the workplace. So throughout this conference, that'll be our emphasis. Come and join me there on October 22nd. You can register at global-outfitters.org conference. Thank you for listening to the Metron Manager podcast, presented by Jonathan Nowlin and the Metron Manager Project. Remember, God has given you permission and a commission to work. Learn more at metronmanager.com.